यू आर लिस्निंग टू द लाइफ इन पैराडाइज पॉडकास्ट विद यूर होस्ट ब्रांड Today is Sunday, December 11th, 2022, and I'm back here singing rhymes to you because you know I'm not a fool and I don't care about the glue. I'm just kidding. I'd make a terrible rapper, but there's times when I like to pretend like I wouldn't. Oh, I apologize if I sound sick today. I think I'm getting what everyone else is getting. If you're getting what I'm getting at. So you'll probably hear some wheezing and coughing and snarfling and sniffing. That's okay because you didn't pay to listen. I suspect today will be a rather short episode, but we shall see. Last week I thought that and it ended up going long. So, for those of you that don't know, I'm just a regular dude with a regular job and lots and lots of opinions. So I come here about once a week or so to get them off my chest. Some you'll agree with and others you won't, and I'm perfectly okay with that. I do this because I realize my opinions can be unpopular. And I think it's a good tool to teach people how to disagree without being disagreeable. And I'm okay with my opinions being labeled as unpopular because I can stand upon them. I can back them up. I can tell you why I feel that way. And what it will boil down to is whether or not we have a difference of opinions. Because we're all just going through this world doing what we think is best. And if there's one thing you'll learn about me, it's that I don't do pre-recorded intros. I do, however, have the occasional guest sponsor intro which is what you heard on the intro but more about that to come later maybe maybe for now sit back relax and let me do the trash talking for about the next 30 to 45 minutes podcast the only show on the interwebs that has nothing to do with a title one of these days i'm going to fix that i just don't know when it is it would be you would be surprised i cannot get my words together you would be surprised to know how little i really understand about how these computers work and how to edit audio i am not good at it so the thought of going and resetting up the podcast under a different name with a new description in a new area of the world of podcasts is something that just I don't have any desire to do because when I started this I lived down in Nicaragua and so my podcast was about everything that was going on day to day and the frustrations and the ups and downs and the pluses and the minuses of living in a third world country so it was classified as a travel and leisure and informative podcast and now It's more of like me ranting, like Seinfeld style about my ideas and opinions on politics and current events and social issues, dog training and whatnot. So, but my whole point was I don't know how to get it all moved over. I don't know if I would have to like re-download all the episodes and re-upload them all. It just sounds it sounds like something that I don't want to spend any time doing because I don't have a lot of free time 
And so I, I'm careful how I allocate my free time. I don't mind doing the recording and the editing. That's the easier part. The harder part is trying to figure out how to set it all up under a new channel. It's complicated. I feel like they could do do a better job making it easier. But I don't know. I'm now officially to the age where I can admit that I'm being left behind by technology. So that's that. For now, those of you that know me could just keep listening here, and I'll probably not pick up any new listeners. So no matter what, it's free to you. I don't know if you guys can hear this lawnmower behind me, kind of in the background. When I do these, sometimes I have my door open. If it's nice outside, I'll have the door open. The dog, Gypsy, could come in and out. And it's nice. Well, today, there's a lawnmower going. And it's been going for about five hours. <laughs> I don't know. This guy's yard can't be any bigger than mine because he's in the same neighborhood. So we got to have pretty close to the same size lot. And I don't. maybe he's got three lots put together and he's just pushing around a little push-behind walk mower. But it's so loud, and it's been going so long. But okay, I know everyone has to cut their grass. I get it. But it just, you know, sometimes little things like this, they confuse me to the point of frustration. I'm not afraid to admit it. I sit here and I think, why is he, why is it taking so long to cut his grass? He must have a little tiny mower. Either that or he walks real slow. Or maybe he overlaps his lines and he puts half the mower on the on the line that he just mowed. Instead of moving the entire mower across because he doesn't want to have any any missed spots you know so these are the kinds of things that i think about i've also heard this guy cut his grass at like 9 30 at night and i saw him out there with a flashlight and that you can't even imagine what kind of thoughts that started mm. what do you think when you see a guy cutting their grass at 9 30 at night what do you, you just think huh there's someone cutting their grass at night and then going about your life or do you go on this rabbit trail like i do of trying to figure out all the details because i feel like my life would be easier if I didn't get sucked into all the details. But I do, and I can't change it, and it's who I am. And so I come here to put them out in audio form. You cannot stop Brendan. You can only hope to contain him. That's Chamir, everybody. Give it up for Chamir. He's our newest podcast spokesperson from Pakistan. My main man, Chamir. How you like them apples, boy? How <laughs> you like them apples, boy? Oh, man, I'm going to have a lot of fun with this. Okay, so getting into the real content, I will lead off today's episode with a clip from none other than Joe Biden, the president of the most powerful country on the planet Earth, the leader of the free world, the position that used to be feared by everyone. All right, Joe Biden showed up in... Uh, Phoenix, Arizona, to tout Taiwan Semiconductor building a factory. And Joe Biden says that this is the, the reignition of manufacturing in America. Imagine if I had a nickel for every time somebody told me we're getting ready. We're going to bring back manufacturing to America. It's made America, USA, it's better than the Chinese crap. How, how often do we hear that? Every single time somebody builds something in the U.S., that looks and sounds a little bit like a factory, it's going to be the end of all of our problems. No, no more of that Chinese crap. We're going to make it all American now. And these people don't realize how economics works. So they just say whatever they want to say to make everyone like them. So Joe Biden shows up to give a speech because I guess now the since the government is so heavily involved in, in business, 
it makes sense now for the for the president to go to Taiwan Semiconductor Factory that's going to be built and and give a speech and a praise and to say like oh we're so grateful for your business here thank you for choosing america and they just pretend like nothing was given to compensate Taiwan Semiconductor for coming over here because that's how these deals work the Taiwan Semiconductor doesn't think hmm where should we put our new factory where do we like it the best they look and they say hey we're thinking about putting a new factory somewhere who wants to bring us a deal who wants to entice us to move our factory there so then all these little cities they start buzzing and they figure out a little plan and they go to these people and they say oh if you move to our city we'll let you go for 10 years and not pay any taxes and so taiwan semiconductor goes okay that's very nice for your city what can your city offer taiwan semiconductor and they go back and forth and they bid for these people to come it's just such a blessing and such an honor for these businesses to be there these cities bend over backwards now don't get me wrong i think offering incentives to these businesses can be a good thing but what a lot of these people the people that are running these cities who are making these decisions they're not qualified they don't know what they're doing they're not they don't have the ability to look at numbers on paper and say, oh yeah, this is a good deal for us, or this is a bad deal for us. More so, they're also often persuaded by side deals, deals for them and their brother-in-law who owns a construction company, and they're going to get the contract to paint the buildings. And your other brother-in-law owns a sign company, and they're going to print all the signs for Taiwan Semiconductor. So naturally, you want to bring Taiwan Semiconductor to your city. It's just better for the economy is what they try to tell you. So nonetheless, they they take Joe and his walker and they hobble him over to the plane and they load him up and they send him over to Taiwan. And he gets on the ground, he's walking walking around lost trying to figure out if there's an invisible person around him that he might be able to shake hands with. And somebody asks him, I think they said, I don't want to play the audio because it's terrible audio, it's hard to hear. But they said, you're here at Taiwan Semiconductor Factory and you've never even been to the southern border. You haven't even you're not even going to go see all the illegal immigrants that are just pouring across our border. You're not concerned with that? And his response was, "Well, they're going to put a billion dollars in a, in a factory." Like, "Oh. Okay. Well, obviously we know what's more important. It's more important for you to go show your face where they're going to build a billion dollar factory than it is to go look at the border and maybe figure out what's broken." And that's what bothers me. I, it's no longer a secret. We can't pretend like these people have good intentions. We cannot think that, well, he, he knows what he's doing. He's the president, for crying out loud. He's a smart guy. He's been in politics a long time, and he knows what he's doing. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. Just listen. Listen to this mumbling idiot whose brain is so mushy. He, can't, he cannot get through a speech without doing one of these. He cannot do it. He cannot do it. And today, TSMC has announced a second major investment. It will construct a second fab here in Phoenix to build chips, three nanochips. What? The what? three nanochip. What kind? Chips that are three nano. And you oh, know okay. Saying. You know, yeah. <laughs> nano no-no, I don't know. Nano no-no, he don't know. First of all, I want you to listen to this again. I'm going to play it. Naturally, I'm going to play it more than once. You know, I don't just play a Biden clip one time. Listen to the, the smack between words. 
that's I hate to say this. I don't well, actually I don't. This is something that happens to old people. When they get old, the way that their mouth works and the way that their brain controls their jaw muscles is different than when they were younger. If you don't believe me, ask an old person, hey, do you ever have a hard time getting words together? Yes. And and the, and the way that they're, they're, the muscles contract and expand and you end up having speech patterns that you don't have when you're younger. And that's fine. I'm okay with people getting old and speaking differently. That's that's not the problem. The problem is that this guy, the leader of the free world, is so incoherent, he's incapable of reading a script out loud to a group of people. He gets his his brain gets so confused, and it's not a secret. This is not a stuttering problem. This is not a uh, oh he had a brain fart. This is not a my phone was buzzing in my pocket. This is him. Getting confused. And, and man, the crowd, they just, ha, 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 they feel for him. The poor guy. It, we've got to get him off the stage. We really do. At this point, get Kamala. I, do not, I don't care. I don't care who we get. Roger Rabbit, Mickey Mouse, get this geezer out of here. This is pathetic. And anyone who thinks, I'm going to calm down a little bit. Anybody who thinks that there's nothing wrong, oh, he's fine. He's doing a great job, Mr. President. I don't I don't think we could talk about much. I don't think we would agree on much, and I don't think that we would have a conversation. If you honestly feel that this guy is doing a good job and is coherent, there's nothing. We got nothing in common. No thing. And today, TSMC has announced a second major investment. It will construct a second fab here in Phoenix. What is a fab? A second fab? What it, okay, it's going to construct a second fab. I would like to know what that said in the speech, because it didn't say fab. To build chips, three nano chips. What kind? The three nano chip. Chips that are three nano. And you know what I'm saying. Chips that are three nano. <laughs> chips that are three nano, he says. Hey, Joe. Joe, can you tell me what a nano is? <laughs> no, no. No, 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 I don't know. Oh, man. Okay, there, there's your Biden clip for the week. Uh, take that, do with it what you want to. You may think he's in great shape. You may think he's a hell of a president. He's turning this country around. Trump gave him a turd on a platter, and if it wasn't for Joe Biden, we'd still have a soaring economy, and everyone would be rich. Uh, well, no. Wait, wait, that didn't work. I don't know. No, 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 I don't know. No, 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 I don't know. Nano, no, no, I don't know. I wish I had the talent to make music. I would make a rap song called Nano, no, no, I don't know. And I would write a bunch of lyrics and have a sick beat to it. They're called Nano, no, no, I don't know. <laughs> what is this world? We're living in clown world. Did you ever think, I would like for you to just think to yourself, when you were growing up in your whole life, and the way that you looked at presidents, and the way that you thought about the president, and the way that the country felt about the president. And I want you to think about Trump and Biden, two of them, together, if you can. Don't think about how much you love one and hate the other one. Just think about them as humans, the way they behave, the way they talk, what their priorities are, their, their personality, their character, their persona, their opinion, their beliefs. I want you to think about that, them. They don't have to be similar. Just think about them. And then think to yourself, did I ever imagine that that's what our president would look like? Was there ever a shadow of a doubt that that the president would look like 
and then you can fill in the blank. You can pick Trump if you want. You can pick Biden if you want. You can pick either one of them. This this will be characteristic of our president going forward until something catastrophic happens, until the country splits or gets knocked apart or something bad happens. We will continue putting people like this in power because it's gotten so tribal. It's gotten so my team, your team, that people are willing to just forget about the flaws of these characters. They pretend like they don't exist because if you if you root for a team and there's something bad about your team, you have to own that. You have two options. You either own it or you deny it. And people have gotten so tribal that they cannot own it. They will just say, well, he was just left a bunch of problems from Trump. Or, well, Trump just was left a bunch of problems from Obama. They won't say that these people should not be in office. I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, and you ain't black. That's right, Joe. They're not black. That's right. Every town got two malls. Every town got two malls. That's right. They got the white mall and the mall white people used to go to. Uh, they ain't shit in the black mall. Love my black people, hate my black mall. They don't got nothing in the black mall but sneakers and baby clothes. I guess that's all they think we doing, running and fucking. <laughs> I do like some Chris Rock. NGL about that. Okay. Speaking of black people. Oh, my gosh. He says, speaking of black people, he's going to talk about black people. That must mean he's racist. All right. I don't know what the statistics are, and it doesn't matter. I would like for you to go do your own research and, and figure out if this is right or wrong. Okay. I would like for you to, and the, it, the statistics that I'm about to present are kind of irrelevant to the idea that will follow. I recently heard on a podcast that someone, anyone, if you are a white male, you are 14 times more likely to be killed by a black male than you are another white male. Now, there's lots of people who would say that statistic's not right. It's not, that is not correct. Those numbers are skewed. Or, where did you get your information? Or, what's your source? And my response is okay, let's just say that it's wrong. Let's say it's wrong. Let's not worry about it. Now, let's talk about hypothetical land. Let's just say that we live in a world and that those numbers are right. Okay? Let's just pretend that they're right. Why is it that people would have such a hard time discussing those statistics? Why is it that news outlets would not report on said statistics? And I'll tell you why, and you know why. Because we have been conditioned to, to be scared of people when we bring up race topics that, that paint a minority in a negative light. And this happens even if the statistics are true, we're still not allowed to say these types of things. And let's just say that if that number were true, could we say, hey, we have uh, an unseemingly small portion of the population who is committing a large amount of violent crimes and killings and shootings. Maybe we should address that. Maybe we should try to figure out, okay, where are the communities that, that this is happening more frequently in? 
what can we do there? What is the reason? Why, why do we have these highly concentrated crime areas? And it's not because the people are black. That is not like black people do more crime is not necessarily the statistic. The statistic is geographical location. And it just so happens that people that live in a specific geographic location happen to have black skin. Now, you don't have causation. It's not like a black person is genetically inclined to want to steal something, but it's how they were raised. It's the people who taught them what's right, what's wrong, what's acceptable, whether or not you should show up to work on time, whether or not you should even work at all, whether you should take advantage of government programs, whether you should steal things from people who are rich. These are all types of things that lead to crime. Things like whether or not you should shoot someone if they're talking about your mother or things like whether it's acceptable to beat up someone and, and take off their tennis shoes because you wanted them more than they did. Those are the problems we need to be tackling. And those all start at the home. Those start with being taught right from wrong at a young age. And I realize that that is something that's almost impossible to change. We're talking about changing a culture. Just like I talked about Elon changing the culture of Twitter when he, he moved in there. And he wanted to change the way the whole thing runs and how it operates. It's a very difficult task because for people to willingly change a culture, they have to admit that something is wrong. Something isn't right. And in order to do that, they can no longer say that they're victims. And I'm not talking about just a crime situation. I'm talking about any application whereby you want to change a culture. You can, you can no longer say, well, it's not my fault. You have to say, I don't know whose fault it is, but we've got to change the way that we behave. I have to change the way that I do things. I have to change how I treat my children and how I treat my job. And those things aren't easy. Those are, those are part of your, your cultural imprint. So I'm not going to sit here and say what the solution is. I'm not a, you got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and just get to work, damn it. I'm not, that's not me. I'm not that kind of guy. Because I realize that there's more going on to that. There's more, it's like telling the fat guy, you just need to eat less and work out. You know, you, that's what you got to do. It's like telling the alcoholic, dude, all you have to do is stop drinking. Or the cigarette smoker, just don't smoke. Just quit smoking. Yeah, that's real easy. Right. So it's that's not the, the solution is not to just and fill in the blank, whatever you want to. The solution is, OK, what's gone wrong and and what can we do to fix it? How can we inspire these people to want to do better, to provide better lives, to have nicer things, to live in nicer homes, to be able to make payments on things that they want to own? And once we get there, once we're willing to admit, here's the problem. Here are the people and the location of them that create the problem and contribute to the problem. How do we motivate them to change the way they do things? That's what we should be arguing about. Because I'll tell you what, straight from the heart, from, from my heart, the more that we allow people to walk into stores and grab things and run out, and the more that we just stand around like a bunch of idiots filming them with our phones, which let me just, I'm going to go off on a little side rant here. At first, when everyone was filming these people smashing the jewelry glass and taking jewelry and walking out, and everyone was filming it, I thought, oh, wow, man, that's crazy. I can't believe they filmed that. But now I see it, and I think, why are you not stopping them 
Why aren't you doing something? Try to do something. Hit them on the back of the head when they're not looking. Push them over. Knock them down. These people, most of them, there's like one or two or three of them. Okay? And let me just tell you this. The types of people who smash in buildings and take things with three or four people are also the kind of people who will jump 10 people on one guy to beat him up. But if they're outnumbered, if you got 20 customers and you got three of these thugs stealing purses, the customers could overtake him, but they don't. They stand around with cameras because we're so terrified of whatever, being called racist, a Nazi, you know, people don't want to lose their job, they don't want to get in trouble, they don't, you know, they're just it's just rather not worth <laughs> They would just rather not deal with it. It's not worth it, whatever. And I'm of the opinion that if 15 or 20 of these guys get knocked upside the head and their head get their brains get scrambled from breaking in and trying to steal purses, maybe they'll quit. Remember, the, the punishment has to outweigh the reward of the behavior. And we're, we're willingly letting these people, we're sitting there idly and watching them break in, steal things, and run away. And they just stood there and film them with their cell phone cameras. Now, I don't know. I've never been in this situation. I cannot say, oh, well, I'd run in there and knock them in the head and save the world. I don't know. I don't know if I'd do that. But I would like to think that if I did, somebody would join me and somebody else would join me, and that would be the end of it. That that person would, would hopefully walk away from there and think to himself, man, that was a bad idea. I'm not doing that again. And his friends will see what happened to him. And maybe they'll think, okay, maybe those purses and shoes were not worth drooling on yourself for the rest of your life. Because that's that's probably what would happen. And listen, I'm not I'm not a violent person. I ain't no robbing type of person. I wouldn't do nothing to no innocent man. But I will say, if we do not stand up to these people, it will keep happening. It will keep happening and it will get more intense. And you'll see that certain parts of the country will not put up with this. They won't. And I don't know. Maybe this has been happening in San Francisco for the last 43 years. And just nobody ever told me. And I never saw it. But from my perspective, it feels like it's becoming more prevalent. I'm legally blind. I can see barely. I'm legally blind. I can see barely. I'm legally blind. I can see barely. So to wrap things up. And I don't really have a conclusion, but I find it it's odd that we've become so conditioned to not sharing our opinions when they involve a a minority that it will backfire on us. And this kind of goes back to what I talked about last week, that, you know, if you have a problem with someone or different culture, different race, different skin color or whatever, unfair as it may be, unfair. Likely or unlikely to be true, you're not allowed to share it. And that's no good. That's no good, in my opinion. I was thinking about Kanye the other day, or Ye. Ye? Ye? Whatever. Ye. He's called Ye now. Y-E. Pronounced Ye. Y-A-Y. I was thinking about him, and he came out and said some pretty pretty hardcore things, right? Nazis aren't that bad. Stop dissing the Nazis. Hitler wasn't all that bad of a guy. And okay, that's fine, but... That's pretty uh, That's pretty out there, where we hadn't heard anyone say anything like that in a long time. And so that's Ye's opinion. He, he thinks whatever he thinks about whatever people he thinks about. And those, 
Those are his opinions. Now, but what does that mean? What is that? What is the repercussions of him having opinions? My answer, my speculation, there is no right or wrong answer, but my speculation is that none. His opinions are his opinions. That doesn't mean that he wants to kill people. That doesn't mean he thinks we should all turn on Jewish people and hang them from trees. He just said his opinion, and they all ran from him like cockroaches. All his buddies, all the outlets, all journalism, everyone. Because they don't want to be associated with someone like that. Which I understand. It's their business. They can run it however they want to. There's no requirement on when to disassociate yourself from someone. I just kind of wish. I wish people had the guts to say, hey, we don't really agree with what this guy says. We don't think it's right. But at the same time, he's not encouraging everyone to go be violent. He's not trying to convince people to go kill people. He's just sharing his opinion. Therefore, we will continue to let him share his opinion. Because you... Mr. Super Furious with Yay, one day you might have an opinion too that's unpopular. And we don't want to shut you down. And you will not want to be shut down when that day comes. And I could see it happening. I could see it one day, who knows how far in the future, conservatives also being like, hey, we cannot let these people talk about socialism. It's getting closer and closer. We need to stop them. They need to stop this propaganda about how great life will be if we go to a more socialistic economy because it's not true, and we don't think it's true, and we think it will be worse for everyone. So I can see how that side may evolve at one point. And the only thing that we can do is just to say, no, we're not shutting anyone down unless they're convincing people to go act violent, which brings me kind of to my next topic. Can we all agree that there's two types of people out there, usually? There's the violent type, and there's the non-violent type, okay? The violent type is the type who's willing to fight you very, very quickly. They're not afraid to beat up people. They're okay with settling things through violence. That's a violent person. They act angry when they get mad. I don't know what the percentage of people in the U.S. is that we could consider violent, but I would be willing to guess it's a small percentage of the overall population. And I get it that maybe some people who are listening to this grew up in a bubble where it was like everyone fought everyone all the time and fighting was a way of life. And I can also accept that there's people listening who grew up in a perfect little Barbie world and no one ever fought and everything was fine, at least on the outside. There was no, there was no violence. And that's, that's kind of, I I grew up in both worlds. I saw both. And so it was an added perspective that I'm glad I have because I lived in the world where on the first day of school, I saw a guy get hit over the head with a metal trash can and scrambled his head. And I've lived in a place where I went to school where everyone was extremely wealthy and I was the poorest person. And so those places, people aren't as violent. The poorer places, people tend to be more violent. So we can agree that there's two types. There's violent and nonviolent. We can probably agree that the violent, the the percentage of people who make up the population, I would be willing to say that a small portion of them are violent people. And if you disagree and you think that a large percentage of the U.S. population is violent, This is probably where we're going to stray. We we probably, there's no point in continuing this conversation because we either have to agree or disagree on that. 
And remember, we're defining a violent person as someone who acts, who someone who acts in violence when provoked or angered. That's how I would define a violent person. But I guarantee you, this is not the average person. This is not the people, you know, the the white picket fence, the two two parents and two kids. This is not them. And that's what a large portion of the country is. So, if we can, if you're still with me, and you're gonna be willing to say, yes. It's only a small percentage of the population who are violent people. And it, and you can also agree with me that it's it's very difficult, one would say impossible, to incite violence into someone who is not a violent person, right? You can sit here and watch social media. The, the guy who's living in his mom's basement that collects guns and sits in his mom's basement and he watches videos about guns and he does gun shopping and that guy, just because he does all that doesn't mean he's violent. And so you can be the biggest Trump humper ever, but that doesn't mean that you're going to allow him to convince you to act in anger or to to do violent things to people. Because remember, you have to be a violent person. And even then, violent people still have a conscience. Some of them is a very, very weak conscience. Some of them have a strong conscience. But I would venture to say that you can be violent and still have a conscience. I've known someone in the past that's been very, very violent, but still have a very strong conscience. Actually, I've known two of them. And it kind of brings me to my point that I don't think that what happens on social media is capable of inciting violence. It's not what the types of people who spend a lot of time on social media, first of all, aren't the types of people who do violent things. The types of people who do violent things have been that way their whole life. And more than likely, one way or another, they won't be convinced to change. Just like the people who are nonviolent probably won't be convinced to change. You know, there's nothing that I could read on social media or that anyone could say out loud or that any of my friends could tell me or my closest people that I hold near and dear to my heart. There's nothing that anyone could tell me that could make me want to go do harm to someone based on the color of their skin. And I think this is a huge thing that we're overlooking because what's happening is people are using the idea of, of limiting speech as a punisher, not a prevention mechanism. In their mind and out loud, they're saying, well, we have to censor what gets said and what gets heard. That way, everybody stays safe. But really what they're doing is they're saying, yeah, I don't really like what he's saying. It's messed up. I don't agree with it. He's wrong. Shut him off. And this is what's been happening in Twitter. If you haven't been keeping up with it, they've been releasing what's called the Twitter files. Every couple of days, they're putting out there all their findings. Whenever Elon took over, he started digging into all these conspiracy theories and figuring out what's true, what's not true. How much has Twitter been censoring people? Who has had backdoors into Twitter to be able to throw flags to them and let them know, hey, we don't like this. Take it down. This goes against what we think should be out there. It all started with the Hunter Biden laptop. Remember, the Twitter comes out and they said, this story is disinformation. It's Russia collision. And we cannot let it be going around out there because it's just not true. So what happened? Fast forward two years. We learned that it's all true. We learned that it wasn't a hack. had nothing to do with Russia. And so... Elon, when he's taking over, he's going to say, you know what? I'm looking into this. I'm going to figure out what's happening. So more of these have come out, but the the gist of it is the grand scheme. And we haven't gotten, we're still waiting for some from COVID drama to drop because supposedly Fauci had a bunch of connections working there. 
And they had a big agenda. And I hope we're going to find out what it was. Because these guys, do not let them fool you. They are not in the positions that they're in to save humanity. No. They want to get rich just like you do. The difference is they're in a position of power and they can control if they get rich based on what gets heard. So these people have motives to try to spin the narrative in a way that helps them out. And you're thinking like, well, how does Fauci get rich? He worked for the government. You don't think he's going on all these book deals and all these shows and these speaking engagements and Listen, I don't know. I wish we could see I wish we could see the net worth of anybody who worked for the federal government because Fauci printed money over the last 2 years. And he's not done. He's hanging in there trying to still make recommendations. Ugh. Don't get me started on the little 5 foot 4 short person. But what's come out is also <laughs> I spun off and I had to get back is information how much how much of Trump's speaking and supporter speaking was throttled and hidden from the public and not allowed to be seen and heard. And I've figured out the, 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 the gist of all this going back to my point is that we had a few small little group of people who were running Twitter, which I say small seven or 8,000 people, whatever it was that were running Twitter. And they were tasked with the idea of, do we let this person be heard or do we not let them be heard? And I think it started out as we really want to do the right thing. We really don't want to spread hate. We want everyone to feel safe. And as is customary, whenever you implement policy, there is the law of unintended consequences. And so as they go throughout this whole censorship thing, they're realizing, oh, no, if we censor this, that means we got to do that. And if we do that, that means we got to do this. And if we do this, then we have to do that. And so it's just this downward spiral of having to censor this because you censored that and then not let censor this. And so they're eventually tasked with this huge decision about who gets to say what. And I think eventually the power gets to them. The idea that they can control the narrative by a few clicks and keyboard strokes is hard to walk away from. And I would like to think that I would be in a position to say, man, I'm not, I'm not going to let that happen. We need to make sure we maintain free speech. But if you put enough millions of dollars in front of me, I don't know what I would do. I'd like to think I'd know what I'd do. I mean, imagine if someone told you in your line of work, hey, you can control the outcome of all these things that happen and you can make you can make this whole country go in the direction that you want to go the way that you think's best because in these people's mind they're doing what they think is best for the country and so they have that power and so they're faced with what i hope which i don't know if they were or not hopefully they were faced with a moral dilemma do i censor this or do i not and they all censored it they all fell into the arena of, of eventually punishing people for what they're saying and not just protecting the innocent bystanders. And so I was reading some exchanges between these people that worked for Twitter, and they would go back and forth and deliberate on a tweet. There would be four or five people, all in like a chat room on Slack or whatever, 
going back and forth about, well, should we ban this? Well, I don't know. It depends this. Well, if he said this, did he mean that? Is there a chance that they could have been confused? Was he joking? Was he not joking? And I'm thinking, no wonder, first of all, no wonder your company's going broke. You've got four people probably making over $200,000 a year that are going back and forth debating about a statement that the president made and whether or not they should run it up the ladder and get more people to look at it or get the opinions of their coworkers and whether or not we should ban him. So that's number one. And I don't remember what number two was. I really really don't remember what number two was. But my whole point is that I feel like these people probably started liking it. They get at first I feel like the it goes like this. The progress is like this. At first, like, okay, we're all about free speech. Oh wait, yeah, no, we can't let them say that. And then they're like, mm, man, I don't really I don't like having to do this because it's tough. And then you see more of the other side. You see more of the speech that you despise. And so you're like, yeah, you know what? Shut that guy off. He's wrong. He's saying that not that many Jewish people died during World War II from Hitler. And it's just, that's not right. And he's going to incite violence. So you then feel like you're doing the protecting and you're the sheriff. And so your, your morals still, still run you. They're doing what you think is right. But you now have the ability to not only silence people, but also punish them. And that, that form of governing is the exact opposite of what our forefathers had in mind. Now, I don't know. I didn't know them personally, so I can't say for sure. But the way that our our constitution's written, it decentralizes the power. It takes the power away from a governing body and doesn't allow them to be able to to shut people up and to amplify people. And that's exactly what Twitter was doing. And I know, I know I'm so tired of hearing it. Yeah, but the first amendment is about the government and Twitter's not the government. I get it. Twitter is not the government, but they are being protected by the 230 statute or 230, I don't know, something something 230, which basically gives them the ability to be protected from any kind of lawsuits or any kind of slander or defamation because they're saying, we're just a public square. We just let people come here and say whatever they want to. So because of that, they can't be held accountable for anything that gets said that's damaging to somebody. Whereas if they were Newsweek, they would be held accountable if there was a bad piece published on their platform. But they're not. They're protected. So they can't say, well, we just want to keep everyone safe because they're not keeping anyone safe. Because no one's going out and committing these crimes based on what they're reading on Twitter. If, If that's true... And if you know of that situation firsthand, let me know. Don't don't give me names. Just say, hey, you know what? My my friend Bubba, you know, he, he loves the rebel flag and whatnot. And he's normally not a violent guy, but he's on that Twitter. And, man, he wants to go hang people. He's trying to lynch people up, tie them up to the back of his truck. He wants to drag them through the street. It's not happening. It's not happening. And, yes, I'm making light of it. I'm making light of it because it doesn't happen. It is so stupid. And so preposterous that I'm willing to make fun of it. You are about to lose your job. You are about to lose your job. Get this dance. You are about to lose your job because you are detaining me. Everybody in Cleveland, low minority, got Obama phone. Keep Obama in president, you know. He what? gave us a phone. Gave us a phone. Okay, I, I got one more thing to touch on about this whole Twitter situation. 
And then I'm going to wrap it up. I'm going to wrap it up after that. Like a Christmas present, put a bow on it. I was thinking about the whole Twitter situation, and I thought, okay, if I was talking to someone, and this conversation kind of happened on Twitter, but talking to someone and their rebuttal, because their beloved Twitter can never do anything wrong, so their, and their rebuttal to the, hey, this is all the stuff that we dug up from Twitter, their response to that when asked the question, hey, would you agree or disagree? Oh, let, me, let me back up a little and get some context. So part of the things they dug up was that there was a ton of, of speech that was suppressed in regards to the Biden-Trump election. And so a lot of the Trump people, the things they said got squashed, and a lot of things the Biden people said got elevated and amplified and spread throughout. So this is what Twitter's claiming. My question is, do you think that Twitter has enough influence to affect the outcome of an election? Do you think that... Whatever it is they're doing behind the scenes in the little computer nerd lounges, changing what gets heard and what doesn't, do you think that that has enough impact to where it could possibly swing an election? The answer to that is either yes or no. I either agree that it could have an effect or I disagree that it could, could not have effect on the outcome. Okay, let's explore each one of those. Let's just say that we say, yes, I do think that Twitter is powerful enough to affect the outcome of an election. Okay, if you agree with that, then shouldn't we be digging into what's been happening? Because if we can agree that Twitter could affect it, and we can agree that they were they were steering the direction of the narrative, then we should all agree, yes, let's get to the bottom of this. Because we don't want people having the power to steer the narrative in order to affect elections. So now we all agree Let's figure out what they were doing. Let's get to the bottom of it, and let's just make some progress, okay? Let's rewind a little bit, and let's say, you know what? Let's disagree. Let's say that I don't think that just that Twitter alone has enough impact to change the outcome of an election. I, don't, I just don't think it has enough power, okay? My response to that is, then why are we banning people? Why are we kicking them off? Why are we saying that they're too violent, too dangerous, if, if what they're saying has no impact on the outcome, then we shouldn't be banning them. And I don't know. I haven't been able to find the answer to either of those. Because either we agree that it affects the outcome, at which point we should all agree we should dig into it, or we disagree, at which point we say, okay, but then let's not go banning people. Because if we're banning them and it's not having an impact on the outcome, then it's just a punisher. It's not relevant to keeping people safe because remember we said that twitter cannot affect the behavior of people you see this is not a compliment (laughs) man i'm mushy brain this is not a complicated conundrum this is a very very simple thing and when i when i watch this and i watch people's response to this these twitter files and the people who are defending twitter i think to myself this is it we're done. These people are so tribal in nature. They're so my team, your team, that they do not have the ability to zoom out. And they will present you with all these statistics about all this violence that's been happening ever since Elon took over Twitter. And there's a time and there's a place for statistics. But in this particular case, I feel like it's more powerful to look around you and to say, 
Do I know people that have become more violent because of Twitter? Because if it's as prevalent as what they say, everyone should have noticed a difference, right? I mean, if it's something to worry about and only 1% of us have seen anyone act violent, then maybe it's not something to worry about. In my opinion, we should let people say whatever they want. No matter how hateful, no matter how vile, how disgusting. I mean, we let people make videos about whatever they want. We show people splitting people's heads open with axes, cutting off body parts with chainsaws. This is all in movie scenes. This is You can go watch these in the theater, okay? We're showing rap videos of people beating up girlfriends and killing them and duct tying them up and taping them and throwing them in the water to kill them. We're allowing all that to happen. But yet we're, we're, we're not allowing people to say, yeah, I don't like white people. Oh, I guess I guess we are allowing people to say that. You're allowed to say you don't like white people. I don't like brown people. I think they all stink. I think they're gr- And this is not me talking, so don't be flipping out calling media matters. This is someone sharing their opinion. They don't like brown people. They don't like the way they stink. They don't like what they eat. They don't like their work ethic. They don't like the cars they drive. They don't like the clothes they wear. They don't like their earrings or the red dots in their head or the skirts they wear. They don't like any of it. They hate them all. But we got to make them go away. Even though they're not calling for the death, they're not saying to put them in gas chambers. They're just saying, I don't like them. I don't like them. And if you cannot see the, the similarities in those two, if we're going to allow people to make rap videos about killing their girlfriend, and we're not going to allow people to say, I don't like Indians, what's wrong with us? Why? Why are we doing that? How could we get any more intellectually inconsistent than that example I don't think we could. I really do not think we could. We out here on the fit Jer Highway with the whole white baby in the middle of the road. Generally, I love Middle Eastern people. I've I've never met a Pakistani, an Indian, an Iran. Mm, I'm gonna exclude Iranian. I've never met people from most Middle Eastern or Persian countries. I would say maybe like 1% of them I didn't care for. And so I like them. I will also joke. We will also joke about the difference in culture. We will joke about the difference of their accent. And we will joke about the foods that they eat and the things that I do that they think are funny and the things that they do that I think are funny. And we can do this because we're comfortable with one another. And we know that it's okay to joke without having ill intentions. And so if you think... That because I play clips of people with a certain vernacular or accent that I have negative feelings towards them or that I think bad things should happen to them, you are the one who's judgmental. You're the one that needs to look in the mirror because you are judging me. And you cannot walk around and say things like, Don't judge people. You shouldn't judge people. You don't even know them. Why are you so judgy? So judgy. Everything's judgy. You can't walk around and say that and still judge people, which I find extremely ironic and somewhat funny is that all these people who walk around and scream, don't judge and don't judge and don't judge and judge people, they sit around and they think that the Trump supporter is running around looking for people to hang. They could not be farther from the truth. I guess further, actually. Further is the correct word. They could not be further from the truth. How you like them apples, boy? Why? 
How you like them apples, boy? And with that, I shall conclude today's programming. I had a buddy of mine slash listener, I hope, I think, reach out to me this week and say, man, I've been enjoying your podcast. I really want to do one on my own. I could not encourage him enough to, tr- to do it, to try it, to stick with it. Because you get better over time, and I'm still terrible. I know you're thinking to yourself, well, you're still not that good. I know I'm not good. I know. But I'm getting better. And one of the greatest accomplishments in life is to get over your fears, to, to, to push through a barrier at which you told yourself, man, I just don't like that about myself. I'll never be good at it. It's hard for me. Push through it. If you think you want to start a podcast, go do it. You can buy some simple, cheap equipment, set up in your master closet, put a little lamp in there. You want it to be good and quiet. You don't want a bunch of echoey and you want lawnmowers in the background and do it and just speak your thoughts and push record when you're talking. Don't worry about anything else. And then when you're done, publish it, put it out there because it will motivate you to get better and to spend more time and to hone your skills. And if nothing else, you leave something behind, you leave a verbal diary. And if you're careful and you put your recordings in the right place, you store them you know, on the interweb somewhere permanently, it can be there forever. You can have, imagine being able to go back and listen to your ancestors from the mid-1700s, recording all their thoughts and their opinions and talking about the issues of the day. And even if no one else listened, but someone three or four generations from now, imagine the value. Imagine that. And it, Even if you don't have kids or grandkids or you're not planning on it, someone will find value in it. Someone who's doing research, someone who just wants to know what life is like. Like We're going to have so much data out there for people to listen to. And I think it's cool that the more people that we have contribute to this, the more accurate representation we'll have of what life was like. Because we can't go back to the 1750s and know how people felt. We can know how they acted. We can see the laws that were put into place and what they did for a living, and we can look at those things, but we can't have a glimpse into their heart unless they wrote a diary. And diaries are written on paper. Paper goes away. And so you can just see how, as we go forward into history, or forward into the future, history is going to become more and more dialed in. We will know more and more about what's going on today when we get into the future than what we know today about what happened in the past. So all that to say, just do it. Five minutes a day, 15 minutes a day, on your way to work, on your way home from work. Speak your thoughts. I think there's something powerful in saying your thoughts out loud. And for me, it's really helped me communicate with people. Whether I agree with them or not, learning how to take your thoughts and put them into words is something that honing can improve. And the more you do it, the more you think about things and, and verbally express them, the better you'll get at it. And that cannot be a bad thing. It's not, it's not something you'll look back on your life and you'll say, wow, I wish I wouldn't have spent so much time saying my opinions out loud and recording them. I just, I don't think it will happen. I think it's just like writing in a diary. No one ever regrets journaling. They love it. Their grandkids love it. So that's it. If you're thinking about it, Go do it. If you're too intimidated to even go look at equipment or whatever, let me know. I'll tell you, you can get set up and recording for 
$100, 75 maybe even less, you know? Just depends on the quality of audio that you want. So that's it. I'm not selling anything. I'm not shilling any product. I'm just saying, if you're thinking about it, go do it. That's all I'm going to say about that. The show is over. I appreciate you listening to the Life in Paradise podcast. Give it up for my main man from Pakistan. You'll be hearing more from him in the future. Let's go, Brandon. That's right. Let's go, Brandon. Once again, I appreciate you listening to the Life in Paradise podcast. I hope everyone had a great weekend and has a fabulous upcoming week. I would like for you to go out there, share something in common with people who are very different than you. Learn to appreciate the differences in culture. Don't be persuaded or intimidated by these fools who think that we should be censoring speech because they are wrong. But do not fail to engage in civil conversation because once that's lost, it all goes to hell. Thanks again for listening to Life in Paradise podcast. Keep it tranquilo. A dream I could buy my way to heaven When I awoke I spent that on a necklace I told God I'd be back in a second Man it's so hard not to act reckless To whom much is given much is tested Get arrested guess until he get the message I feel the pressure under more scrutiny And what I do act more stupidly Bought more jewelry more Louis V My mama couldn't get through to me the drama, people suing me. I'm on TV talking like it's just you and me. I'm just saying how I feel, man. I ain't one of the Cosby's. I ain't go to hell, man. I guess the money should have changed them. I guess I should have forgot where I came from. Wait till I get my money right. Then you can't tell me nothing. You saying something? Uh-uh, you can't tell me nothing. You can't tell me nothing. Uh-uh, you can't tell me nothing. Let up the suicide doors. This is my life, homie. You decide yours. I know that Jesus died for us. But I couldn't tell you who the side was. So I parallel double park that motherfucker sideways. Old folks talking about back in my day. But homie, this is my day. Class started two hours ago. Oh, am I late? No, I already graduated. And you can live through anything if magic made it. They say I talk with so much emphasis. Ooh, they so sensitive.